There we all are now. Welcome back to the Irish in Sweden podcast. And if you're listening to this as it's published, it's during what the Swedes call Melandogana, the in-between days of Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's Eve. So you're most likely absolutely full of turkey. I hope you're full of turkey. Uh, all the decent chocolates out of boxes at Quality Street and roses and heroes are gone, so you're just left with the junk that nobody would eat. And you probably realised this morning that, you know, this this was not working anymore. I have to get out and I have to have a good long walk around the farm in Roscommon or around Hothead or maybe around you, Gordon, here in Stockholm. So uh, you stuck your headphones on and you decided to listen to me and I'm very grateful for that. It's Philip O'Connor here in the little Stockholm studio bringing you a little podcast just to keep you going during the week. Um, well, there's two things, two elements, if you like, to this week's podcast. One is a brilliant, brilliant film. It's a conversation with uh, a chap in Las Vegas, Nevada, who's uh, very well known to many people in Sweden who will have seen him play in the pubs around here over the years and indeed all over Scandinavia. That's Dave Rooney and his uh, accomplice and my very good friend since I was a teenager, Dave Brown. They made a brilliant uh, brilliant film called This Is My Home, an Irish Story about how they travelled around the states in 35 days and they played in all 50 states in 35 days. It's a mad, mad story. It's an absolutely brilliant film. It's hilarious. You'll laugh, you'll cry. And it's perfect for the entire family, especially now that you're probably throwing the RTE guide in the bin because we're all fighting over what to watch next. Uh, it's on Netflix since Monday the 20th of December. And I'll have a little chat with Dave. He's now living in Las Vegas, Nevada at the moment. Uh, but in the conversation we had before we recorded the conversation, we oh, what's it like up in Sweden now? And, you know, he used to, he lived a lot of time in Denmark as well. So uh, we're having that. So you never know, you might see him back here again, but you've got to see this movie, right? So even if you're just sitting on your own some night and the family's gone to bed, just check it out because it's a real feel-good movie and the sun is in it, which is brilliant if you're still in Sweden. So um, that's coming up. But before we do that, I thought I'd have a little conversation because I know that there are some people who are in the same boat as me, good self. Usually if I'm in Ireland, I have to get back um, very quickly. Uh, you know, it's usually I have to get back before New Year's Eve. So you'll be travelling back reasonably soon. So for those that are travelling back soon, I decided to check in with Emma from the local. The local.se is a great English language news website here. Uh, and they they run a, a freemium model, right? So you have uh, free content and then you have uh, content that's available only to subscribers, right? And they've got like 50,000 subscribers. It's an incredible media success story. But I wanted to talk to Emma about how things currently stand in terms of getting back into Sweden once your Christmas break is over, right? Again, the advice is get to Dublin Airport as early as you can. Two, three hours. Have the last point of Guinness in the airport rather than in the local. And uh, get back over here because, you know, there's going to be queues. It's going to get messy and that kind of thing. So you just have to have patience. So, you know, avoid the stress by getting there. But Emma goes through what the restrictions are at the moment, right? And the, the big caveat here is at the moment. This could change at any time. We're in the middle of a pandemic, so very fuel, flu, uh, fluid situation. So the days coming up to Christmas, we had this discussion, and she tried to point that out. But um, do check with the airport, do check with the local, do check with your airline, and find out exactly what applies to you in terms of getting back in there. So if you need a, PR, a PCR test, go get one. If antigen's enough, go get one. If you have your vaccine passport, print it out, as well as having it in your phone. So that when you do go to come back here to Sweden to get back to work in the new year, that you've got everything sorted out. You know, but we go through a few of the things you should think of, uh, and a little bit about how the local works. Okay, so uh, this is a conversation with Emma. Emma, over the last couple of years of the pandemic, you've been following things closely, difficult and all as, as that may have been. And who knows, by the time this comes out, this conversation may be completely redundant. But as far as we know at the moment, what do you need to get back into Sweden after Christmas? Okay, so um, that depends on a few different things. 
Okay. Uh, so I've been trying to read up on the rules a little bit now so that I'll be able to tell you the right things, but uh, it's kind of complicated. There are a lot of different factors to be aware of. So if you're, if you're traveling to Sweden from, from Ireland or from the rest of the EU, uh, you, can, you can travel to Sweden for whatever reason. So even if it's, like, obviously, if you're somebody who normally lives in Sweden, then you're fine to come into, back into Sweden again. But if you're bringing like a family member or someone from Ireland who doesn't normally live in Sweden, they can come too. They don't need to show that they live here or that they have a good reason to come here. Um, other than the usual ID documents you, you would need for travel in the before times as well. Uh, if you're, you don't normally live in Sweden and you're just visiting or coming as a tourist or visiting a family member or whatever, you will need to show either an EU digital COVID certificate or kind of valid equivalent of that that shows that you're fully vaccinated or a negative test that was taken no more than 24, 22 hours, 72 hours ago, sorry, mm. or proof of recovery from COVID in the past six months. Okay. Um, so when it comes to Swedish residents, you said if you're a resident in Sweden, you don't have to show a vaccine passport. How do we prove that? If I go up with what Swedish people call legitimation, if I go up with my ID card, is that enough to say that I live in Sweden or do I need to show them some sort of paper from Migrationsverket, uh, the immigration board? How, how does that work in practice? Man, I would almost tell you to go to the police website and read exactly what kind of documents you need for that. Um, they actually got a section that says which kind of documentation is needed to verify that I'm covered by an exemption. Super. But I, I, I would think that that kind of document should be fine. Uh, if, you, like if you have a document that shows your personum, for example, then that, that is proof that you are a resident in Sweden. Mm. Uh, I'm someone who's very nervous about everything, so I would probably bring all the documents I have. <laughs> I, I have, a, I have a, a big envelope here beside me uh, from when I went to the Olympics in Tokyo, and it has absolutely everything in it, you know, for, for that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so in general, you need to provide either proof of residency, you need to provide proof of vaccination, you need to provide proof of recovery, um, or, you need to, or you need to provide a negative PCR test that was taken 72 hours before you travel. Yeah, no, no more than 72 hours. No more than 72, no more than 72 hours. Okay. And there's no restrictions then, Emma. When you land in Sweden, this is one of the famous things about the pandemic here. You could just toddle off. There's no, there's no quarantine. There's no, okay, go home and watch Netflix now for four days, take a test. I know they recommend some things, but there's no regulations. There's no actual rules, right? Well, I recommend just going home to watch Netflix for a few days. You always that sounds, recommend that. Sounds, that, sounds, that sounds great. <laughs> Especially in January as well. Who wants to go back to work, you know? Yeah. Bro, that's pretty good. But, um, um, yep. No, no, exactly. So if you've traveled to Sweden, you're, you're recommended to get tested for COVID as soon as possible after arriving, preferably on the first day if you can. Uh, and that's regardless of whether or not you're vaccinated, whether or not you had to show a negative test on the border in order to get into Sweden, regardless of whether or not you live here or, or not. Um, and it, while you're wait, waiting for the results of that test, you're, well, the advice is anyway that you should, be, you should be careful and keep a distance to other people, especially to risk groups. 
but you don't have to stay completely isolated at home or in your hotel room. But nobody's going to check if you get that test or not. This is the thing. So is anybody actually going to do that? Is anybody going to go and go, oh, I've just landed in Sweden. The first thing I shall do is I will go get a test and I will wait the result. Nobody's going to do that, Emma, are they? Well, if you're a good, upstanding citizen, Philip. We're not. Um, no, I mean, <laughs> if, if you do want to get a test, the PCR tests from the healthcare services, they are free. Uh, but if, it is a bit of a faff to get one, to be honest. If um, I get, I'll give you an example. A friend of mine had to, had to get a test uh, this week for for COVID infection and uh, they didn't have an electronic ID so they couldn't just book a kind of self-test online and get something like that they had to actually make an appointment to turn up at the healthcare center and the earliest that they could get an appointment was two days later Super. and then once they got their test they were told that they could right now take up to five days for the result to come in super that's so um... i mean uh, after that time has passed like you're pretty much cured of covid anyway even if yeah. you had it you know okay so i gotta review my position on this absolutely get tested stay at home watch netflix okay but don't blame me if it takes a week for you to get through that process um, yeah. Emma, could i just ask you because um, you're working at the local which i remember the local and james and david starting it all these years ago and it started out as basically a website and it was advertising and it was basically swedish news in english right so it was just uh, for all, everybody who hadn't yet learned the language or who wanted to keep up with the news through the english language and things have gone from strength to strength and you now have a, a subscription model out there and you have a plenty of journalists working there some journalists have got a great start there how is business at the moment and what kind of things are you guys reporting on um business is pretty good at the moment uh, so we launched a membership model uh in 2018 and that's sort of that's the subscription based model that you're talking about and we've just now crossed the milestone where we've got more than 50,000 members wow um and that's grown from 15,000 in the past year and a half uh, I think the pandemic really, like, it, it, I think a lot of people really found that they actually needed a new source during the pandemic to make sense of all the restrictions, recommendations, and just keep up with what's happening and all of that. So, you know, things are going pretty well at the moment. It's uh, a lot of work a lot of members get in touch with us all the time uh, i've been with the local since 2015 so i was here before we started subscriptions and it's really changed a lot like the even the relationship with readers has um has kind of been really really strengthened by this lots of people get in touch with us all the time i almost don't have to almost don't have time to report the news anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too busy making money to report the news. That's the position. Yeah. That's my life goal right there. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, finally, Emma, there's two things that I'd like to ask you. Uh, one is, what's your favourite Swedish Christmas food? My favourite Swedish Christmas food is probably the rice pudding. Nice one. That's you're the second yeah. person to answer with that this week. And and the second thing is, what do you expect? How do you expect the pandemic to go in this country next year? There's been an awful lot of talk about Sweden being an outlier and doing different things, but it seems that everybody gets the same outcomes anyway. So what do you expect Sweden to do in the next year with the pandemic? 
Uh, if there's anything I've learned in the past two years is that I really shouldn't make any guesses about what's going to happen in the future. I think I will probably just try to muddle along and roll with the punches like everybody else. Brilliant. And if you do want to find out what is happening with the pandemic in Sweden, you go to the, the local.se and you'll find the latest of Emma's writings and the reporting from the local there in English. Emma, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you. There you go. That was indeed the wonderful Emma Lufkin from the local.se. And if you go onto the website there, um, one thing is that you shouldn't have your ad blocker on because I was going, where do I become a member? And for some reason, it doesn't pop up if you have an ad blocker on, which I had at the time. Uh, so you go onto the local.se and you will find memberships there. And it's from 349 crowns per year at the moment, which is a great deal altogether. And I've really got to hand it to uh, Emma and to the editorial team there at The Local because they're really good at picking out the stories that are relevant uh, to people who are living here and to people who are living here, albeit temporarily. As you know, that membership model is something that I'm trying to get involved in uh, to make this podcast sustainable over time because it's quite simply, it's a lot of work goes into this. I try to put effort into it so that you enjoy it every week. Uh, but as a professional journalist, you kind of have to make money out of it eventually, you know. And thanks very much to all those who have contributed and signed up, signed up. If you have a Swedish bank account and you have Swish on your mobile phone, you can easily send a donation to uh, via Swish to 123 that's one two three two four two four one six six. What would really help if I knew I, that you were going to be able to support me, you know, every month for the next while. That would be brilliant. You know, it could be two euros a month, it could be five euros a month. Well, that, that would be fantastic. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm. Patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm. And if you have a business and you want to support this uh, initiative that I've started for the community, you can email the Irish and Sweden podcast at gmail.com. Irish and Sweden podcast at gmail.com. And you know. I mentioned your business or what you know it's not great advertising it has to be said but by sponsoring it uh, you're showing the community that you're there for them and that you're willing to be a part of it and you're willing to play your part in it and i think that's a, a pretty good deal so uh yeah the more people get involved the longer this podcast is going to get last the better it's going to be and the easier it's going to be for me to make now Another uh, crazy crowdfunded initiative that is worth your while is the movie This Is My Home, An Irish Story, which is now on Netflix and tells the story of my very good friends Dave Rooney and Dave Brown and how they attempted to do 60 gigs in America's 50 states in 40 days. I'm not going to spoil the movie, right? But like I say, it's just, it's crazy. It's incredible. It's funny. It's sad. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll probably do both at the same time. I've known the two boys for years. Um, I was in a band with Dave Brown when I was young growing up and just after I left that band actually uh, Dave went on his first tour here in Sweden and you know going to places like Trollhättan, Östersund, all that kind of thing. Uh, Rooney was down in Copenhagen in Denmark and going over and back on ferries. It used to be ferries that time from Helsingør in Denmark to Helsingborg and then traveling around Gothenburg uh, up to Linköping. He mentions all these places and spent years traveling up and down here playing in the various different pubs in Sweden, Norway, Finland and of course in Denmark where he lived a lot of that time. So Dave has a very strong connection to it. And indeed, in the sort of the, the pre-podcast conversation, he was actually talking about looking at our property here and maybe moving back here to Sweden. So uh, on the 20th of December this year, the movie came out on Netflix, right? So if you can imagine making a documentary funded out of your own, your own pocket and with the support of people you know and you love and the businesses that are willing to support you. And then it goes from that to being shown at film festivals. And it goes from that then onto the various different streaming services in the States. And now it's on Netflix in Europe, which is just an amazing achievement. And it also won a huge prize, which I'm not going to reveal to you right now, but you'll hear about it during the interview. It's just a huge, huge thing. And to be honest, I don't think the two 
lads get enough credit, right? Now, I'm biased. I've been over to Las Vegas when I'm over there working on various different, you know, mixed martial arts and boxing fights. It's the first port to call. I fly there on a Tuesday and I go and see the two boys. I usually land at 7 in the evening. I have a shower and I go down to see the two boys at uh, the Re-Raw Irish Pub in the Mandalay Bay Hotel for a chat. I love them. I love their work ethic. I love everything they do. And I really did love that movie. But I just don't think they get the credit that they deserve. So... If you're looking for something to watch over the coming days or something to watch on the plane on the way back, I can highly, highly recommend this movie. But uh, yeah, let's let Dave tell the story because he tells it far, far better than I do. I caught up with him. Uh, he was on the phone or he was on uh, Facebook Messenger to me from his home in, or his current home, should I say, in Las Vegas, Nevada. The sun was beaming in the window there and I was very, very jealous seeing that much daylight and me sitting in the darkness here in Sweden. But this is Dave Rooney and the story of This Is My Home, an Irish story and what home means to him at Christmas time. Could you cast your mind back, my friend, and uh, tell me about the first time you visited Sweden? Can you remember your first trip here? I can, actually, yeah. So I was living in Copenhagen, Denmark, uh, and as you well know, uh, well, at the time, this was before the bridge was built, so uh, you, could, you, you had to take a ferry to get across to Malmo. And... Um, uh, so Malmo was the first place. Uh, Eamon, 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 I'm going to say Bourne, was the guy that had the, the Irish pub over there. And we went over to, uh, we went over to play there, uh, myself and a, and a chap called Eamon Mitchell. And uh, we played there. Our duo was called Shine, which is Irish for That's It. And um, over we went. And uh, it, was, it was beautiful. I, I always like, remember coming in t- to the harbour there in Malmo. And then first thing that struck me was how clean the place was. Not that Copenhagen was dirty, but uh, Malmo seemed to have more of a, a shine to it. And I don't know whether that's because I was going to a new place and, and I had, you know, rose yeah. rose petal glasses, as they say. But um, really beautiful. So the, the, I always remember that very distinctly, yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, you spent many, many years travelling around Scandinavia and Sweden and Denmark in particular playing music. You mentioned there that this is a few years ago, right? So the bridge didn't exist then. Um, right. What kind of places do you visit? Is there any of the Swedish cities or towns that stood out for you in your travels around here? Well, you know what they all did? Because it's like, it's like a kind of a, a, to me, it's kind of like a fairy tale, a little towns. Um, and I mean that in the, in the best possible way. So we'd start at, at Malmo and then we'd go to Karlstad and then we'd, from Karlstad we'd go up to uh, Gothenburg and then Gothenburg to Lynn shopping, Jan shopping, knee shopping, and then up to into Stockholm, and then um, and then all up up to uh, Ustersund then as well, and uh, and then on up into into Oslo, Christianhavn and Oslo, and then Bergen and uh, Stravanger as well. Like, Stravanger, so, yeah. yeah, all the oil money yeah. out there, and the lads drinking beer. Yeah, beautiful. I mean, they they love a night out, don't they? The, the Swedes and, and and the Norwegians and the Danish, for that matter. And they, we were drinking Aquavit, I remember well, because uh, I drank about four bottles of it before this weekend. <laughs> I was in an awful state. Yeah, you but, usually um, remember drinking it, but not what you did after drinking it, don't you? No, geez, no, no. <laughs> but uh, of course, you know, all all the pretty ladies and all the rest of it. Like it was a a great time to be a young man of, of twenty five. You know what I mean? And uh, traveling the world, so I loved it. And when you were out and about there, Dave, because does this there's a sort of a misconception, or you know, there's an idea that we go out there and we just play Irish music because I played a lot of the places that you're talking about there, but we kind of had to mix the set up a little bit, right? But if we concentrate right. on the Irish music, what what songs, what what tunes would have gone down well for the audiences you were playing to? Well, the Irish music, they, they love the Irish Rover and the Wild Rover. They just love them two songs. Uh, they love the whiskey in the jar, because mm. um, obviously they're going back to traditional artist music and uh, it just seems to me they they um they they hold that in very very high regard um 
them type of songs and uh, because it's traditional and it's you know it's part of the Irish culture and all the rest of it. And of course, we were playing in predominantly Irish bars. Uh, some of them were kind of Swedish uh, stroke Syrian stroke Irish bars. You know what I mean? Mm. So there was a little bit of, of that going on, but um, because you had the influx of of people from outside of Sweden. But at the same time, I was playing some lovely Swedish bars too. Like so, it was a it was a mix of it all. But um, yeah, but but they were the songs that were prevalent in, in them days, you know. Uh, Las Vegas, Nevada is near your home. I can see the sun shining mm-hmm. in the window behind you. And as usual, I'm <laughs> jealous this time of year. We've had this conversation <laughs> many times, right? But over the yeah, last hour yeah. or so, before we started recording, you were kind of talking about maybe coming back to, to Sweden or to Denmark. What is it that would appeal to you about living here, but spending a bit more time in Scandinavia again? Well, there's a little bit of nostalgia there for me because um, they were kind of formative years as far as as far in as uh, I, I started music, I started playing as a musician uh, in Copenhagen. And then that was a kind of, a, you know, a really kind of milestone for me. And uh, I was able to go and then travel around New, uh, like Denmark and, and, and Sweden and that. And uh, there's a there's a, a lovely piece uh, that, that goes with, with, with living and traveling uh, in, in these countries. People are very friendly and open and... Uh, um, and even like I was trying to speak Danish at the time, it wasn't very good. Much better now, but it wasn't very good then. But even with speaking Danish to Swedish people and all, they they appreciated that and that they seen that I was making an effort and stuff like that. But I always found them very very friendly, very warm, um, and just a nice place to be, you know. So so I, I enjoyed that kind of peace, you know. You racked up many miles on the roads here in Sweden, but uh, you racked up a hell of a lot more on the roads in America. Um, the film This Is My Home, An Irish Story, can you just tell me briefly the idea behind what you tried to do by playing 50 states in 50 days? Right, 60, 60 gigs in 50 states in 40 days. Uh, we actually completed it in 35 days, believe it or not. Um, so <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So uh, the, the, there's two of us in the Black Donnellys. There's me and there's Dave Brown, and Dave Brown's mental. Uh, it's the only thing I can say because yeah. he comes up with these these madcap ideas, you know. Oh, let's try this and let's try that. And uh, he's the reason why this came about because he'd broken the world record in in Dublin uh, for uh, marathon guitar playing uh, in June 2011, and it was 114 hours continuously playing um, guitar. And then when we got to the United States, then obviously that would have been the next thing to do. Uh, he just came up with, with this idea, and he said, why don't we try this? And of course, I was ignoring them at the start, because I was thinking, go away with your ideas and stop, leave me alone. He's but anyway, we start talking about No, he is, yeah. I mean, he's, he actually gets, his, he's, you start believing what he's saying, which is, uh, it's, it's kind of a, it, 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 <laughs> it's one of his traits. I don't know how he does it, but he, he always seems to get around me. But anyway, um. <laughs> Uh, he kind of went like, uh, oh, we give this a go and all that. And we started talking about it. And then I kind of said, oh, well, I'm sure it would be fun if nothing else. And we started the planet and so on and uh, put it together. Um, gargantuan tasked uh, at hand, definitely. And um, nothing could have prepared us for what we were going to encounter along the way. Um, but crazy, everything happened to us. Everything went wrong, ran out of money. Uh, we, we encountered hurricanes, tornadoes chasing us, the police were chasing us, women were chasing us, men were chasing us, a bit weird. Um, it, was, it was a bit weird. We broke down a couple of times mechanically and emotionally. Uh, we had, uh, we had um, uh, volcano eruptions. Uh, this is all documented in the, in the, in the doc, so if you, if you get to have a look at it, which is now on Netflix. But um, uh, running out of money was, was a big thing. Breaking down was a big thing. Uh, it went on fire a couple of times. The, the RV and parts were falling off, and it was like a clown's car when we were 
when we were finished with it. There's more parts coming up, but what a journey. I cannot believe that we did it, but we did it. We did 60 states, 60 gigs in 50 states in 35 days. Unbelievable. And, and the whole point of it, Dave, was that, I mean, you and I have met many times in Vegas when I've been over there to cover fights and that. We've talked about this an awful lot, about the idea of being an Irish person somewhere else or of being anywhere somewhere else. So when you were on the road there, you were doing these gigs, but most of all, you were meeting people and you were collecting their stories, right? Mm-hmm. So right. what did you... Where did you land in this, right? Now, I'm not going to give away spoilers from the end of the film or anything else like that, right? But where did you land uh, as being, you know, somebody who's a stranger in a strange land, whether that be Sweden or Denmark or Las Vegas, Nevada? Where did we land? Uh, well, uh, I don't know if we've landed yet, but it looks here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, one of the... Okay, so let me start here. One of the really good things was, um, uh, and big surprises for us was that... Uh, Every single state we went to, we met people with Irish heritage, right? So that immediately made us feel at home, right, straight away. Uh, it made you feel like that you belonged to the place and, you, and you, you were part of it kind of thing, you know. Now, obviously, we knew about New York and Boston and Chicago, and, you know, they're kind of fairly large Irish strongholds uh, as far as people live, Irish people living there and historically, you know, uh, first, second, and third generation. But, like, you come into places like Butte, Montana, uh, Savannah, Georgia, St. Paul, Minnesota, Jacksonville, Florida, Birmingham, Alabama, all these places, and you have these rather large pockets of very, very proud Irish Americans and who are only too happy to come and talk to you and, 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 and tell you about their family, where they came from, and... and how how proud they are of their their, their Irish lineage and, and so on. So that was um that was really really uh that was the difference between it being you know um because a lot of a lot of things went wrong right mm-hmm. but that was the the one part of it that kind of made us feel like okay we're doing something good here let's let's keep forging forward and and that helped us along. So that's pretty much where I was. It, it, they were very welcoming to us. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, in terms of your own. You're an artist, you're a songwriter. This movie, like you know, which started from nothing, which you ran out of money halfway through making it, everything went on fire. Like you say, emotional and mechanical <laughs> breakdowns, and it won an Emmy. Right. How did that feel? Um, it's probably one of the big, one of the best feelings I've ever had in my life. Um, because, well, <laughs> when you run it, well, when you start with something which is an idea in the head, and you start to put that into motion, and then you start, you have to go and raise funds for it, and you have to go and do all this PR stuff for it, and you have to, like, you know, encourage people. And we had a team of eleven of us, uh, so we had a, we had a, <laughs> we had an RV and we had a pursuit vehicle as well, and uh, it was all about keeping everybody motivated. And, and it got to the stage where there was people, nobody was getting paid at one stage. You know what I mean? So it, that was very very hard. Getting to the end of this was an accomplishment in itself, you know, uh, getting back, uh, it took me about, I don't know, three, four months just to start to feel normal again. And then and then we get it onto, uh, we got distribution then onto Amazon Prime and we got it onto Roku and Apple TV and that was all very, very good. And then, you know, th- th- of course the world closed down on the day that we were to launch, the, on the day that it was to go out there, the world closed down due to COVID. So that kind of put the you know the scuppers on it, and um, and again you know it's been a very very arduous road to Damascus really for us with this you know, and uh, it's it's uh, it, then we got to, to to June of this year, and then our director contacted us and says uh, we're in for an Emmy you know we we t- we thought that we're never gonna you know win it you know, and it won it won. <laughs> 
And and uh, we we were in the car. This is very funny now because we were driving into work, and Browner was driving, and uh, I was in the you know, passenger seat, obviously. And so I'm looking at the phone, right? And it's on it's online, obviously, because of all the restrictions. So we're watching it, and uh, and and the winners are, and then nobody mentioned anything. It just our our documentary came up. And then it went off, and that was the end of it. They just closed. <laughs> they closed the show, right? So Brown was looking at me. and says, well, "Well, what happened?" I said, "I don't know." <laughs> well, what do you mean you don't know? It just came up, and, and the, so did we win? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? <laughs> right? So we're arguing with each other, going along in the car, and then um, and then what happens is, so we're only about five minutes away from the gig, so we're on our way into work. So we walk in, into the gig then and everyone starts clapping their hands like, you know. So that was a beautiful moment. Mm. And then people start ringing us then on, on Facebook Messenger. Uh, oh, you, congratulations. You know, so they were all watching it as well because we'd put it out if yeah. people wanted to watch it, you know. What a feeling. Uh, yeah, one of the biggest, biggest uh, accomplishments that, that I've ever done. And uh, if not the, the best thing and the best feeling that I've had, you know. And of course, uh, work for you is the re-raw Irish pub at the Mandalay Bay Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada. Did you ever That's think right. in all your time sort of traveling the highways and byways of Sweden of playing all the pubs in Temple Bar, often twice in one night, did you ever think that that was where you'd wind up making your living for the last few years? Never, never in a million years. And I'll tell you why, very simply, uh, I, I, uh, when we got married, uh, myself and Joanne went over to uh, to Las Vegas for a week, and we did a, a, the second week in New Orleans. And after the week in Vegas, we thought, oh, Jay, we were ready to get out of there. Some people say, oh, three days, you know, three days yeah. is enough to do in Vegas and so on. And I suppose that's that's true to a degree, but um, there's a difference between living here and, and visiting here. It, there's, there's a whole new world that opens up to you, and when you get to know the place, it, it becomes very, 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 very familiar to you, and uh and you feel at home in it. You you abs- you actually do feel at home in it, and and how it makes you feel living here. But no, I never would have thought that. Never would, because we said we kind of went. Ah, Vegas did that, bought the t-shirt, and left. You know. Yeah. But um, you don't know what's around the corner. You seem and I remember people saying that to me when I was a kid and and growing up, teenager years, and all the rest. Oh, you just don't know what's around the corner. And like, what are you talking about? Nothing ever happens. But life happens. Life actually happens. You know. And. Uh, uh, if you're involved in something or you want to do something or you want to pursue something, if you stick at it long enough, and in fairness, <laughs> we've been at this a while, uh, if you stick at something long enough, you do get to where you want to be. I'm a true believer in that, definitely. But in answer to your question, no, not in a million years would I have thought that, you know? So in that case, Dave, after being through 50 states, doing 60 gigs in 40 days, years in Copenhagen, learning Danish, traveling around Sweden, Norway, Finland. We've all been to the Molly Malones in Helsinki, right? Where's home for you, brother? I I could not tell you that now, to be honest with you. I suppose home is here right now, but where do we feel mostly at home? I mean, I love Ireland, of course. I'm, I love being I'm, being from Ireland, and I love being Irish and stuff like that. It doesn't hold... Um, like, the industry isn't there, unfortunately, which which kind of forces you, when you're, when you're as ambitious as I am or we are, uh, you need a bigger playing field, and when you want to go and do something and, and better yourself, you have to get up off your backside and get out into the world. And for that reason, uh, that's what has taken me to all of these different countries and different places. So um, I don't know. The, the world is the world, and it truly is your oyster. So it's home is wherever wherever you are right now. I, I think that's that's where home is. You know where you're living right now. We're going to play out on uh, the song that gave the name to the film, This Is My Home. Can you just tell me a little bit about when you wrote that song and what you're trying to capture in it? I wrote that song in 1997 in Copenhagen, Denmark. 
and I was feeling really homesick and uh, the pangs of, of homesickness. And even though, like at the time, I felt like I was a world away because I was I was in a different culture, I was speaking a different language. Even though a lot of speakers uh, people spoke English over there, uh, it was always kind of uh, important to me to learn the language of the country that I was in, out of respect and and. and more so out of just being able to move around and, and, and be able to converse and feel... Yeah, feel in, exactly. And and you have to be seen to be, to be making a, you know, a, a, an effort uh, to live in these places. But I, I was sitting on the... Uh, I, don't, I remember it well. I was sitting on the roof of Gamal Congavoy, which overlooks the planetarium and the lakes uh, uh, in, in the centre of Copenhagen. And it was a beautiful summer's evening and the sun was shining. Uh, it was just beautiful, you know. And I was sitting there with my guitar, and I bought a Takamoyan guitar, and which was the which was the order of the day, because all the musicians and the trad musicians were using them at the time. Cut away, very nice, though, lovely, and had lovely gold heads on it and stuff that I loved it. But uh, that was like um, to sit there and then to write the song, and I, I was just feeling like I, I was missing home so much. Um, it that song has done so much for me all through the years. It won me best Irish singer songwriter of the year. Uh, in New York in 2012, so it's it's not been without its its little accolades on the road on the road to where we are today, but um uh, and how it affects other people and it it, it kind of um, motivates people to come and talk to you about it because how they attach that to their lives they say that song is so beautiful it reminds me of my father he's passed away it reminds me of being away from home uh, all different angles it's multifaceted it's amazing the strength and the power of a song what it can actually do and how it affects the listener and how differently everybody perceives it so it's been a, it's been quite a it's been quite the journey with that song quite the journey 24 years ago it was written in central copenhagen since then it's won an emmy it's been all over the united states of america it's been all over europe it's been all over the world as have you yeah. dave rooney happy new year brother happy new year happy christmas and happy new year to you so Somewhere in here, my heart holds the time for those passing years In all of its glory and all my fears Finding no ending, no frontiers Letters and cards from those who I've missed and right from the start The ones who I've kissed and broke their hearts Look at me now, now when I walk right back Back to the place in my heart, in my heart This is my home, and I've been away for far too long From my home, coming back now, the bad feelings gone From my home, where the love is, in my home again I'm crying tear for the crocodile, but I'm not crying now. Cause I'm not them, and they're sure not me. And I won't change for anyone. How can you hear the sound of those voices singing across these foreign skies? Await your return, but to their demise. Walking in circles, oh why, 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 oh why, oh why, why, Cause this is my home, 
This is my home. 